All right, so Judges chapter 13. So just a heads up for you guys. Um, this is, this is going to be our last week in the book of Judges. Um, because um, when we get back from Thanksgiving, we're going to be jumping back into the book of Romans. Okay, so we're be jumping back into the book of Romans when we get back from Thanksgiving. Um, but we are in the book of Judges right now. We're going to kind of wrap up the book. of. Now, I will tell you, there's a lot more to the book of Judges than what we are going to cover. So, uh, so I encourage you to read it on your own time. So, um, so in the early 2000s, there was, uh, there was a quarterback in college football. He was a quarterback named Jamarcus Russell. Uh, I don't know if any of you even have ever, ha- how many of you have ever heard that name, Jamarcus Russell? Okay, like two of you. Okay, so, uh, so Jamarcus Russell was a quarterback. He played for Louisiana State University, um, probably more commonly known as LSU. And Jamarcus Russell was very, very good at football. Okay, um, one, he was huge. He had just like a rocket of an arm when he would throw the ball. He had all of the skills. He was just blessed with such incredible skill sets that you're like, man, they're like, this guy is going to be amazing when he goes to the NFL. This guy's going to be awesome. So when they have the NFL draft where they pick their, the, you know, the, their players who they want, they pick them from college, guess who went number one overall? Jamarcus Russell. So Jamarcus Russell was the number one pick because he had all of these skills that you just can't teach. You know what I mean? Like, just all those things that you just can't teach. So, like, what's a skill that you just can't teach somebody? Okay, okay, not that. Like, you just can't teach. Okay. Something that I know what it is. How about this? What? Huh? Huh? Yeah, how to be you, okay? I'll say this. You can't teach somebody how to just, how to be able to jump high. Now, there's certain things you can do. You can train, stuff like that. But for the most part, either somebody just naturally can jump high or they can't, okay? Right? There's some people that I know that no matter how much training you give them, they are not going to be able to jump. It just is what it is, right? And this guy had all of those things that you just can't teach, right? Like, you can't teach somebody to be six foot five. They either are or they aren't, okay? So here's what, I'm trying to, here's what I'm trying to get us to. Jamarcus Russell was drafted number one overall. Everybody was like, man, this guy's going to be amazing. And to this day, he is known as the biggest bust in NFL history. He was terrible, okay? He was awful when he got to the NFL. He just, he was horrible. His teams never won. His team never won any games. He was just so bad. He was so bad to the point that the coaches were convinced that he wasn't watching film. So what players, at the, you know, what they do even now is they would watch film of, like, their game the previous week or of their upcoming opponents so they can know what they're going to do against them. And so they were convinced he wasn't watching film. So they gave him a tape saying, hey, go home and watch this and come back tomorrow. And then they came back and said, hey, like, did you watch that tape? He goes, yeah, I had some defensive coverages on it and all this stuff. And they knew he was lying because the tape that they gave him was empty. There was nothing on it. So he lied about watching it. And so he was just, he was horrible. But what was so crazy is that, man, this guy had all the talent in the world, all the potential. Everybody's like, man, this guy, if anybody's going to be able to take this team to the Super Bowl, it would be this guy. And then he gets to the NFL, and he's awful. All that 
blessing, all that giftedness that he had, ultimately is wasted. And we talk about this idea of wasted potential or wasted life. I think that this is no more prevalent than what we see in the book of Judges with the story of Samson. And Samson was a guy that, like, if we were outside and we were, like, playing sports and you had to line everybody up and say who you wanted to pick first, Samson was the guy you would pick first, right? Samson was the guy who had all the natural giftings, all the things that would set him up to be a success he had. But ultimately what you see is that Samson was his own worst enemy. And ultimately all that potential he had was really, it went to waste. And this gets me thinking, right? This gets me thinking about our lives. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to live a life that's wasted. You know, there, I heard uh, there's like, you know, you ever heard like those would you rather questions where people say, would you rather this or that? No. Uh, so one of the questions I heard was, would you rather have nobody at your wedding or would you rather have nobody at your funeral? And when I was thinking about that, I was like, you know what? I think I'd rather have nobody at my wedding because if I had no one at my funeral, that means that I probably didn't live a life that meant anything. Right? If there's no one at my funeral, then that probably means that my life really wasn't worth that much. Now, here's what I want you guys to understand is I want us to understand that the life that we have is a gift. It's a blessing. And this world is going to try and convince you to sell your life for so many things. But only one thing is worth it. And ultimately, to live your life for anything other than, than for that is to waste your life. It's to waste your life. So when we look at the story of Samson, we see a handful of things. That Samson really is a judge that is going to deliver Israel. But ultimately, as you see throughout the book of Judges, is that as the people of Israel continue to sin and their sin gets worse and worse, the judges get worse and worse. And I don't know, a lot of us, maybe if you've heard the story of Samson, we think of Samson as a hero. And he does end up as a hero. But what we need to understand is that Samson was not what we would consider a model citizen. Samson is not someone that we look to and say, hey, I want to be like Samson. Ultimately, Samson... And many, many scholars agree that Samson is, was a real person, but Samson was used as a way to show Israel their sinfulness. That Samson really parallels the life of Israel. And we see this in a few ways. But in Judges chapter 13, we're going to see, it says, And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. This is now the seventh time that they have done this. So the Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. Now, of all of the nations that would oppress Israel, um, the Philistines would do so the longest. All right, the Philistines were a group of people that would be a thorn in the side for the people of Israel for many, many, many years to come. So they are oppressed by the Philistines. Verse, verse 2 says, there was a man named Zorah of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. 
And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not borne children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore, be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. So what we see is this idea that, so ultimately Israel is really kind of shown their sinfulness through the life of Samson, because we see that Samson is really a reflection of Israel. And here's how we know this, is that what we're reading right now is we're reading about the conception and the birth of Samson, right? Samson was born to two, to, to a mother and a father that loved the Lord. They were, in, they were older in age, but they loved the Lord, and they had not had any kids. In fact, they could not have kids. Uh, his mom was barren. And the angel of the Lord, if you remember a few weeks ago talking about Gideon, the angel of the Lord is rather significant. The angel of the Lord comes to them and, says, and promises them that she will have a son in her old age. And that through the birth of this son, that it would begin to be a blessing to their people. Well, if you know your Old Testament, you know that this very much resembles the story of Abraham and Sarah. Right? Also an elderly couple, also unable to have children, also at a point where they did not have any kids. And, and an, the angel of the Lord came to them and promised them that they would have a child. And through this child, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And we see that Samson reflects Israel in their beginnings. But we also see that Samson reflects Israel in the fact that they both had strict laws to obey. So you see that part where it says uh, that no razor shall ch- touch his head, for he shall be a Nazarite from birth. You see that part in there? Okay, so that word Nazarite, it's important for us to understand something. That Nazarite and Nazarene are not the same thing. Okay? So when I say Nazarene, what do I mean in the Bible? Who is a Nazarene? Someone who is from Nazareth. That is correct. So if we were to say someone who is from Nazareth is a Nazarene, who in the Bible do we know is a Nazarene? Jesus, right? Jesus the Nazarene, Jesus of Nazareth. But when we say Nazarite, this is somebody who took a certain vow or a promise in special devotion to God. So this is explained in Numbers chapter 6 if you're interested uh, but the Nazarite vow was a time where basically somebody would, speci- they would set themselves apart, devote themselves to God for a certain amount of time where they would not drink uh, any drinks from the vine. So no wine, nothing alcoholic, no, not even grape juice. Um, they would not drink uh, anything from the vine. They would not cut their hair and they would not touch anything dead. Okay. And they would do this for days, weeks, maybe even months. And it was not very uncommon for somebody to take a Nazarite vow. But what was uncommon was for someone to be a Nazarite from birth to death. That was very uncommon. What we see is that Samson's life was not to be something that was to be a, a vow to God or devoted to God for a short amount of time. That Samson was to be devoted to God from the womb to the tomb. And he had a strict law to live by. Similarly, the people of Israel also had a strict law to live by. We see this in the book of Leviticus. They were given the law of Moses. And they were not to obey this law for a short amount of time. But they were to obey this law for their, ex- for their entire existence. That from womb to tomb, they were to live according to the law. But we see in both instances, Samson and Israel break this law that they were given. 
Samson, throughout his story, kills thousands of people, touches several dead bodies, dead animals. If you know the story with Samson and Delilah, eventually does cut his hair. Early on in the story, throws a party, gets incredibly drunk, and does all of these different terrible things. So he breaks his vow easily. We also see that he falls in love and marries foreign women, just like Israel falls in love and worships foreign gods. That Samson is constantly falling and sh- falling short, falling short, falling short, just as Israel constantly falls short, falls short, falls short. But here's the thing that's encouraging, is even though Samson c- is imperfect, he is fractured, he is a sinful man, God still accomplishes his purposes through the life of Samson, just like God still accomplishes his purposes through the people of Israel. Does this make sense? So the people of, so Samson is meant to reflect Israel, but I think it's what's also important for us to understand is that we can see a lot of ourselves in Samson. Someone who's blessed by God, but oftentimes is so prone to waste those blessings. What does it look like to waste blessing? What does it look like to waste blessing? What does it look like to live a life that is wasted? Well, first let's understand some of the ways that Samson was blessed. If you read all of chapter 13 and even a little bit into 14, what you find is that Samson was blessed in a few ways. But the first way that Samson was blessed is that he was blessed with a godly family. He was blessed. He was born to two parents that loved the Lord. They followed the Lord. They honored God. They, you see this clearly that when they understood who they were speaking to uh, when they came to the angel of the Lord, that they were humble. They were in awe of the holiness of God. When Samson wanted to, to sin against God by marrying uh, one of the Philistine women, his father said, no, like, you shouldn't do that, and tries to dis- you know, persuade him not to do that. We see that he was born to a godly family. But here's what I want you guys to understand. is Just because Samson was born to a godly family did not mean that he was a godly man. And I want you guys to understand something. That Samson was not right with God just because his parents were. Likewise, your parents may serve in this church. Your your parents may be deacons or lead small groups. But when you stand before God, your parents will not stand there with you. It's going to be you standing before God. And the question is, Where are you with God? Where are you? And this is something that hit me hard. Because I grew up with my parents. My dad would lead worship every single Sunday. He taught in Sunday school. My mom was the youth leader growing up. Man, like my parents were like involved in everything. It was amazing. But what I had to get to a realization was that, okay, at some point, my faith has to become my faith. But what we also see, though, is that Samson was incredibly blessed to have this. And I want you guys to understand that if you're in this room and you have parents that love Jesus, or not even parents, but whoever takes care of you, whether it's your aunt, uncle, stepmom, stepdad, whoever it may be, sibling, if they love Jesus, 
you should thank God every day for that blessing. Because there are thousands of people that love Jesus that will gladly take your place. Don't take for granted the blessing of a godly family. And if you're in this room, you're like, man, I don't have that. I want you guys to understand that if you're in this room, you have godly family right here. That we may not be blood-related, but through the blood of Jesus, we're closer than blood-related family could ever be. And if you're surrounded with people that love the Lord, you need to understand that every day that you wake up, every night when you go to bed, you should thank God for that. But here's the thing, though. That's a blessing that can so easily be wasted. So easily be wasted. How do we see this in the life of Samson? Chapter 14. Samson went down to Timnah, and at Timnah he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. Then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. He goes and he sees someone, of the, of one of the women from the Philistines, and he wants to marry her. He's like, hey, girl, you got it going on. And she's like, shoot. And he goes back, right, to his parents. Because at this time, marriages were arranged. You had to arrange a marriage. So it's not like he could, you know, hit on her and they get to know each other. And then they kind of like, you know, I, I love you. You love me. You know, and then he proposes. It's not like that, that you would have to arrange the marriage between the parents. But the people of Israel had a strict law that forbade them from marrying people from foreign nations. And the reason is because these foreign nations worshipped pagan gods. And they were not to intermarry with them. So he tells his father, hey, I saw this girl go and arrange this marriage for me. But his father and mother said to him, is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all our people that you must go and take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. Number one way that we can waste the blessing of a godly family is to not listen to godly advice is to follow our passions over godly advice. Because, guys, I'm going to be real with you. I understand that parents are not perfect. I get that. I get it. Parents are not perfect. But I want you guys to understand, not only parents, but friends, family, like no one's perfect. But, man, God gives some of his best advice through people that follow him. And there's a lot of times where there's going to be times, if not now, at some point in your life, there's going to be things that you are like, man, this seems right in my eyes, just as Samson says, right? This seems right in my eyes. And I want this. Someone gives you godly wisdom. Don't do it. And you ignore godly advice. That's Step number one of wasting the blessing of a godly family, whether it's blood family or spiritual family, is ignoring godly advice. Another way that we see that Samson was blessed is that he was blessed with incredible strength. If you know the story of Samson, we know that Samson was super, super strong. He was an incredible fighter. He was incredibly quick and agile. We see this in a handful of ways. Just to give you a few examples so the story of Samson covers four chapters, so we're not going to read all of it, but I'm going to kind of give you some highlights. At one point, Samson is walking with his family, 
and a lion attacks. And Samson kills this lion with his bare hands and then just goes about his day. That's pretty nuts. Like, my parents have, like, a little tiny dog, and if that dog barks, like, you'd be surprised. Some people are, like, scared to death of that little dog, like she could fit in the palm of my hand. This man's tearing lions to shreds with his bare hands, right? And later on, he wants to get revenge on the Philistines because they do something wrong to him. So what he does is he catches 300 foxes. He ties their tails together and ties a torch to their tails, lights the tails on fire, sends them through a grain field, and lets these foxes catch their grain on fire. How do you catch one fox, yet alone 300 foxes, right? My man is, my man has skills that we have not seen at this point in Scripture, right? Man, this guy has incredible skills. At another point, he's attacked by Philistines, He finds the jawbone of a donkey and kills a thousand Philistines with it. Like my man is not playing around. If he was, if he had a my, if he had a my player on 2K or in Madden, they would be 99 overall across the board. Or if he was whatever he, he, this man is like as high as you can go. He is the best. But what we see in every single instance where Samson uses his strength, he uses it for selfish reasons. If you want to see the second way that you can waste your life, it's to focus on yourself rather than what God has called you to do. How long were the people of Israel under the captivity of the Philistines? We read it earlier. Forty years. This man killed a thousand Philistines with a donkey's jawbone. If there was anybody that could free Israel, it was Samson. But what does he do? He's constantly pursuing his own passions rather than the things that God has gifted him for. And he's wasting his talent. Some of you need to understand that you have been gifted with incredible talents. And you may not feel like you do, but everyone in this room is good at something. Some of you are like, I don't know. But here's what I want you to know. Like, if you can put a smile on your face, man, you're gifted with the ability to at least say hi to somebody, right? All of us, if, you are, if you're in this room, you have a gift. You have, you have blessings. God has gifted you and blessed you with certain skills. He, and here's the thing. That's what's beautiful about the body of Christ, right, is that some of the things that you're good at, I may not be good at. Or some of the things that you may not be good at, maybe I'm good at. And we build one another up and we encourage one another. But if all we do is focus on us, if all we could do is focus on me and how I can get my stuff done, and never about, man, how is it that I can use these giftings that God has given me for his glory and for the good of others, man, that's a wasted life. Robin Williams was an actor He's probably one of the most well-known actors in Hollywood. I'm not, and he was hilarious. He was the voice of Genie. I don't know if you guys, if that helps in the in the original Aladdin movie. He's the voice of Genie, and and he was in all of these amazing movies, and he was known for making people laugh. But what you find is at the end, ultimately, at the end of his life, he killed himself. He was miserable. Man, he had this gift. 
but ultimately didn't mean anything. Right, what did Jesus say? That what is a profit man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? So many of us are focused on things that ultimately, even when we get them, it just doesn't matter. I say this all the time. If you know how many people I see from middle school today? None. None. You're in middle school for three years. Don't sell the rest of your life for what's right in front of your face. I watched, me and Kayla really like the show Survivor. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that show, Survivor. Um, it's really, really, I, en- I enjoy the show. Um, I also like to watch the show and be like, I could do that, knowing that I probably couldn't. But I was like, yeah, I could do that. But there's a part, one of the things that they do is at this point, like we were watching it last night, and there was an episode where basically they're like, they've been on this island for 30 days, and they get to this point where they have, they were given money, and there's like this auction, and you can pay for, you can, they auction off these certain items. And they've been out there just eating rice for like a month, so they're, a lot of them are hungry, so it's like a plate of cookies, and you'll be, they'll be like, $200 for a plate of cookies. Like, I want it, you know, and they'll go for it. And what you find is that what, what was happening last night was somebody, there was a, a pizza. And this woman, she was like, and they were all given $500. She goes, $500 for the pizza. I'll take it. $500 for the pizza. She, and she sold out for this pizza, and she got the pizza. The last thing that was auctioned off were letters from home. You can get a letter from your loved one for 20 bucks. But she had given away all of her money for pizza. And she couldn't afford the money to hear from her loved ones. Now, what I find is that a lot of us find ourselves in that position. We've been blessed with whatever it may be. And we use it for a pizza that's right in front of our face rather than the ultimate prize that we could have if we just waited. But Samson is driven by his passions. He's driven by his lusts of the flesh. He's driven by his anger and his sense for revenge and his pride. And what we see is that you cannot be led by the the lusts of the flesh and the Holy Spirit at the same time. You can't. You cannot be led by the lust of the flesh and the Holy Spirit at the same time. You will either love, what does Jesus say? No one can serve two masters. Either he will love the one and hate the other, or he will hate the one and love the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This idea that you cannot say, I love Jesus, and I follow Jesus, while at the same time only following the desires of the flesh. All of Samson's giftings and skills were wasted because of his selfish motives and selfish pride. As we continue on in the story, ultimately, he goes through a few other women and sinful relationships. He gets to the end where he gets to, he meets this woman named Delilah, who is... I grew up with a phrase called trifling. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that. Uh, but this woman is trifling, okay? She's terrible. But she deceives Samson, and ultimately she, she betrays Samson, and it leads to Samson's demise. Samson 
has his eyes, he's captured by the Philistines, and they gouge out his eyes. What they did is, at the time, what they would do is they would heat up a really hot rod, and actually they would burn his eyes out. Super graphic and terrible. I'm not going to go any further than that, so don't worry. But he's a prisoner. And all of these moments leading up to this point, whenever he would do these incredible things, like when the lion attacked and all these different things, there's a phrase that would show up, and it said that the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him. That the skills and the giftings that he had were given to him by God. That God would fill Samson up to accomplish these incredible feats. And here's the thing that I need to, that I ask is that why would God continue to bless such a rebellious man? Because here's the thing that we see, another way that we waste our life, is that Samson had a profession of devotion. Hey, I'm a Nazarite but had a life of rebellion. Here's the thing, that his profession meant nothing if his life displayed the opposite. Like if you were to take Samson and put him in a lineup of people and ask which one of them has devoted themselves to the Lord, you would never pick Samson. Here's a question that I have for you. Does your life match your profession? Does your life match the devotion to God that you profess to have? If I put you in a room with 10 people and, someone, and, and, and I told somebody, one of them is a Christian, and they watched your life for a week, how hard would it be for them to find out that you were the Christian? Other than the fact that you go to church. See, a profession, that's a profession of faith alongside a life of rebellion is, doesn't mean anything. So why would God fill this man? Why would God continue to use Samson? And here's what we need to understand is that the blessings of God are never earned. God did not bless Samson because Samson deserved it. He blessed Samson because he had a purpose in Samson's life. What was the purpose that God had in Samson's life? If we go back to Judges 13, what does the angel of the Lord say to his parents that Samson would do? What, what is it that Samson would do according to Judges 13 that his parents Ultimately, God's purpose was that Samson would begin to free Israel from the Philistines. God accomplishes his purpose in Samson because what we find is when he's blind, they ultimately bring him in. There's into a building in the, really the, the capital of the Philistine territory, and there's 3,000 Philistines in this building. I bring him to the center, and they tell him to entertain them. And they're laughing at him. They're mocking him. And he's leaning up against two pillars. And he prays a prayer. So Samson called to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, please remember me 
Please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his entire life. Then his brothers and all his family came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtaol in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He had judged Israel for 20 years. God accomplishes his purpose in the life of Samson. But here's the question. If Samson was rebellious and God accomplishes his will in the life of Samson, then why obey? If God's going to accomplish his will in my life no matter what, then why should I obey? Well, here's the answer to that question. One, understand that God does not need you. God does not need me. But he invites us to be a part of his plan. But the question is why? And the answer is this. It's because God desires for you to experience the joy of, of, of living a life of purpose and meaning. John 10.10, Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Do you believe that God wants you to have a joyful life? God does not want you to live a miserable life. God wants you to have a joy-filled life. But here's what we need to understand is that God will accomplish his will. The question is, will you surrender to it now and I live a life of, of joy, or you surrender to it when it's too late. You have your whole life in front of you. You're in middle school. You have your whole life in front of you. What will you live your life for? I've learned in my life that this world promises a lot. But ultimately, I was made for one purpose, and that was to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And what I found is that when I'm living within the purpose that God has for me, that all of the riches of the world can't satisfy like Jesus can. You want to know what real joy is like? Real joy is living a life that God created you to live. But we see something else. We see that Samson delivers Israel through his death. That ultimately it's when Samson sacrificed himself that brought life to the nation of Israel. And here's what I want you guys to understand. Pay attention for this last part. Is that Samson was imperfect, sinful man, saving people with his death. But we have a greater Savior than Israel did. We have Jesus Christ, the perfect, sinless, spotless Son of God, who with his death brought freedom from all of our sins. Freedom from all of our sins. And when he three days later rose from the dead, signifying that his death was acceptable to God, here's the thing, that the way for us to be made right with God was perfect. See, here's the thing, we're not made right with God because of all the blessings that we experience now. 
God's not going to look at how much money I have, how many friends I have, how many times I went to church, how many Bible verses I've memorized, all of those things. God is going to look at where am I with him based on have I surrendered my life to him by accepting the fact that my good works will not earn heaven for me, my good church attendance will not earn heaven for me, but only the shed blood of Jesus will earn heaven for me. Samson trusted in his strength that ultimately was taken from him. But when we trust in the shed blood of Jesus, it, can, it will never be taken from us. We have a hope that is eternal. We have a hope that pushes us through tomorrow, that even in my worst days, I have a hope that this world cannot touch. And I want to encourage you that if you do not have that hope, do not leave this place without it. 